Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. I'm your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 60. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Ethan Hawke's cheekbones, Silent Bob's trench coat attire, and Chris Farley's cartwheel technique. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. So before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observations. Last night, I'm listening to the Office podcast currently that's on Spotify. And this is just top quality audio media. It's uh, like the filet of, you know, stakes in podcasting. It has all the cast, all the crew, creators, writers, everybody chiming in about their life-altering experience with this all-time show. And of course they want to talk about it. I mean, it's, I think it's still the number one show on Netflix for, I think, I don't know, the 150th week in a row. I think there's over 10 billion streams or something crazy like that. And they started talking to Rain Wilson about his portrayal of Dwight Schrute. And I just really, it was really pretty cool because they talk about Dwight, who's this brown nose, this intensely structured old school farmer who should have been intensely unlikable. I mean, he just got this, his hair is just the worst hair you've ever seen, his tone of voice and the way he treats other people. And you shouldn't hate this guy. And Rain explained that to create high echelon characters, you have to pour love into the, your portrayal of them, regardless of kind of what's on the page. So it's so simple, but it feels profoundly true. Like Dwight should be despised because he has no true allegiances in the office. He just sucks up to Michael or any friendships, really, when we meet him. He's just laser focused on achieving goals that seem above his average skill level. But we see glimmers of his humanity grow slowly over time as the show progresses. You know, he slowly opens up to Pam and is nice to her, you know, when she has, uh, when she's crying and whatnot. He's, his loyalty to Michael becomes more than suck upness. You know, and they become friends kind of midway through season three, season four. And he's also a worthy rival of Jim's prank wars, which is always fun. And he becomes a loving boyfriend to Angela in accounting. So he grows on you. It's weird. It's, I mean, it's like, almost like a fungus kind of growing on you. And I mean, he's just something that you're like, oh, this is terrible. And then you're like, oh, wait, maybe this is cure penicillin or something. And by the end of the series, he's not only someone you can tolerate, but someone you kind of outwardly root for. And for someone who's an authority-loving, nerdy beat farmer who way overestimates his physical intimidation factor, it's a television miracle. I mean, he's just, it's just such a rarity that the annoying person on the show is someone that you really like. And I think Rain Wilson and the writers made him just incredibly lovable by the end of the series. And when it's all said and done, I think Dwight is my favorite character. He's the most fleshed out, good and bad. And I mean, he generally has the funniest, strangest storylines, especially, you know, with his farm, his cousin Moe's, his kind of backwater kind of sayings and isms. And it's a strange statement to stay out loud when you look at how much you hate him in the first season, but it kind of shows the magic of storytelling that uh, we can fanboy over anybody. I mean, you look at Breaking Bad, it's like everyone wanted a meth-dealing science teacher to kill other people. Tony Soprano, you know, we, we want a murderous mob boss to be happy and not have panic attacks. <laughs> I mean, Omar in The Wire is a drug, de drug dealer. Rip well, he's not a drug dealer. He rips off drug dealers. He's a stick-up artist. And, you know, he's responsible for a lot of murders and chaos. And we're still rooting for him to get away in the end. Just goes to show you can create character character connections 
in any walk of life or moral disposition, if you put the love and energy into it and you create this fully formed role where you feel like you know the person both good and bad and you get their dreams, you get their fears, you know what I mean? Like we can get behind anybody, you know, this is America. I think we can pretty much what it's, I mean, it just shows with who gets elected president. We don't really care where you come from. It's just, if you hit us on an emotional level, look at like Bill Clinton came from a single mom family and like, rural arkansas it's like he ended up being president it's like we can get behind anybody really so that leads me perfectly into my central topic for today it's a show that gave us a peek into a world i knew little to nothing about it's netflix mma mma uh, fighter show called kingdom and it's not technically a netflix show it was a direct tv creation for three seasons from 2014 to 2017 it's like 40 episodes and it just arrived uh, on the new plat- platform as Netflix bought its rights, I believe. And Good Gravy, this is excellent soap opera level drama about men who bash each other's patient- faces in. Basic premise is Alvi Kalina is the owner of a mixed martial art gym called Navy Street with his girlfriend Lisa is in Venice, California. He helps train a new generation of fighters, including his sons, Jay and Nate. And he's struggling to keep the gym afloat. Uh, the pressure is on for Alvi's boys to come through as Alvi also tra- trains his just released from prison starfighter, Ryan Wheeler, who is also Lisa's ex-boyfriend. And I ripped through all these episodes in like 11 days. And, you know, it's 45, 50 minutes of pop. So, you know, it, it's substantial. And I just kept, I was addicted. I just on to the next one, on to the next one. And if you want to stimulate your lizard brain, this show has got you covered. You know, it's just all fights, drama chaos, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And I don't know if DirecTV has a rating system, you know, PG, PG-13, all that kind of stuff, but clearly they didn't have one for this series. There is so much violence. It's crazy. There's this blood and broken bones and just, I mean, there's even gunshots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's really graphic sex scenes and they hired like a lot of porn stars to do cameos for some reason. And it weirdly works. It's, I don't know. It's just very kind of, I mean, there's a lot of man butt I've never seen this much man tush on a uh, television program ever. So they just went for it. And there's rampant drug use and also the effects of the drugs. And there's more binge drinking in the show than I've ever seen on a screen for a prolonged viewing. I don't think you go more than two minutes without seeing someone pouring another drink. Everyone is wasted or ordering another round. And you honestly wonder how people could live off their physical skills if they were just pickled in whiskey and vodka for 90% of the show. And I'm not joking because I'm a bartender. So I, I mean, I was just cringing watching this. I mean, the tabs these guys ran up had to be three to $500 every time they went out. I mean, they were just shots, top shelf, keep them coming. And I mean, just, I mean, at home they're drinking high end scotches and, you know, I mean like in the morning, even sometimes they just need to pick me up and they're just going through a bottle of vodka. It's like somehow they would wake up at 6 30 AM sometimes. And, after one or two hours of sleep, and they look, you know, haggard and all, then they would go to the gym and just suck it up and have these brutal workouts that I could never do, you know, sober. <laughs> and it's just, it makes me break a sweat just even watching them. And they're like half in the bag, you know, groggy, bleary-eyed, vomiting and back, and somehow getting through it. I don't know. It's just, is this how MMA works? Is this, I mean, like, do they work this hard in the gym and then party like rock stars uh, afterwards. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. How's that, how's that possible? If anyone's in MMA or knows uh, anyone who is, I'm just, I'm kind of curious. Cause it seems impossible. I'm guessing it's just, you know, the show. I mean, they, they show the aftermath too. They show lots of puking people with their cars in ditches, 
waking up in CD motels with no memories of the night before. But hey, in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's a show. You know what I mean? Who cares if it's a little bit dramatized? I mean, literally the whole field is called drama. So, you know, I mean, like when you have drinking on a show, it's true. Like when people are sloshed, it's more, you know, it's more dramatic and people get more emotional and there's more fights. So it works for this genre because these guys got, it seems like these guys got nothing to lose. You know what I mean? They're just MMA fighters and they're kind of in the lower rungs of the field. You know, this isn't like the big leagues or anything like that. So it's like they really are just kind of bashing their head against the wall, both in a personal and in a professional way. And Frank Grillo plays Alvy, and he's perfect for the role. He's he's I think he's a fighter in real life, too. And he was the bad guy in the Captain America movies. He's also been on Billions recently. He's like the best looking 48 to 50 year old dude ever. Just great hair got that kind of grizzled five o'clock shadow. He looks like he was like a CBGB punk kid in the eighties who got into fighting. And he, on the show, he's just pumping himself with HGH and steroids. And he looks at him. He looks fantastic. He looks like, you know, he's got the body of like a 30 year old. He's got that old man strength looking to him, look to him. And he's just this born chaos monster who kind of doesn't know how to be successful. Let's say he like one of his fighters wins a fight, bam, he's buying 5k worth of automatic rifles for fun, even though he has a kid on the way or he has a $35,000 motorcycle, but he can't pay the mortgage. He's that kind of dude. He's like, money kind of falls through his hand. It's like sand in his hands. You know what I mean? Like when he has it, he's flush. And when he's not, he's just like, whatever. And his ex-wife, Christine, is a prostitute who abandoned the family and comes in and out of the show. She'll get clean, then she'll fall off. Her and Alvy aren't married, by the way. They got divorced like 10, 15 years ago. I mean, she could be a great mom for a moment, and then she can't stand looking at her family because she's so ashamed of it. And she, I mean, they really kind of get into the whole sex worker trade of, you know, how she deals with her pimp. They have a weird, like, honest, good relationship, which is kind of odd. Or when she tries, tries managing girls on, like, webcam stuff or in, in the porn industry in general, they kind of they shine a light both good and bad onto it. It doesn't seem like it's just all together. Usually when they talk about sex work and stuff like that, it's all negative. And this one they show, you know, like, yeah, it's a gross and weird field and it can be dangerous, but they show like that these are real people in it. And, you know, I mean, you can actually like the people who are in it. And then you got the older brother of, of, the, of the family. You know, this is Alvy and uh, Christine's oldest. This is Jay. He's 27 to 30 years old. He's a superb fighter, like just a natural fighter like his father, but he's got demons also like his dad. They said, I mean, back in the day, his dad, you know, every drug under the sun. Uh, lots of fights, physical altercations in real life, not in just the uh, professional world. Jay goes on like three to five day benders. It's kind of crazy. You know, he'll just put on these white blue blocker sunglasses and wear like a Native American headdress and just have a party for two, three days and just, you know, go to a seedy motel. He's got this boundless energy to him. And he kind of is just one of these characters that you kind of, you've seen in movies before. He's that charming, ranting, extrovert personality who's really kind of compensating for being super sensitive. And he's my favorite character. I mean, Jonathan Tucker is the actor who plays him. And I've loved Jonathan Tucker since 100 Girls, this bad college uh, kind of American Pie ver movie in the early 2000s that I just, or maybe late, late 90s, but I just love it. And he's just got this intensity to him. He's got this gravelly voice and he's got this vascular fighter's body. And he's a, I think he's a real fighter because he has those like cauliflowered gross ears. And he's got a scraggly beard, kind of these rooster style, frohawk haircut variations. 
and these crazy penetrating green eyes that never seem to blink. I mean, he, he stares down anybody with the best of them. You know, one of those kind of like, he just looks through you. And I can't, I'm really bad with eye contact. I can't deal with looking at another person's eyes for more than five seconds, no matter who they are. I have to look away. So the fact that he just unapologetically will stare through people like lasers, I mean, it's just, I, it's superpower to me. And he's quick to anger and revenge. I mean, he'll, he'll break out a gun and, you know, be a little crazy. Well, not a lot of crazy, but he's also extremely loving. He saves his mom countless times when she stumbles with drugs. And he's also the most fun fighter of the group. He just loves combat. Most of the other fighters get nervous. They have mental breakdowns. Like, I can't do this, man. This is my last fight. Or I can't take this guy. I mean, he just, he loves getting hit and hitting other people. He's just, uh, he's like a modern day gladiator. He just wants contact and infliction of pain. And he can't wait to get into the cage. And that kind of natural love for the sport and also the fact that he's fearless in there makes you always root for him. And he gives the best monologues. And, you know, when he's in the bar having a few drinks, he does that barroom philosophy that's always just kind of funny. He'll talk about, like, civil war or, like, the agricultural industrialization. I mean, he'll just start ranting and raving. He seems like kind of a Hemingway type. And you worry the most and root for the hardest for Jay because, you know, he just has these high highs and low lows. I mean, he just – I mean, he craters so hard sometimes. And sometimes he just hits it – I mean, sometimes he's just – the most dynamic dude in the ring. And then you have his little brother, uh, the 23-year-old uh, Nate, played surprisingly well by Nick Jonas from the Jonas Brothers. And I didn't know Nick Jonas could even act. And he's just, he's really good in this. He's the quiet one. He keeps to himself. Looks like a fighter. He's got kind of that bulky upper body. And like, they showed them in the ring a lot. So, I mean, clearly he knows what he's doing. All these guys do. I mean, if you notice, all of them have the cauliflower ears, and you know the scarring and also i mean the way they move is just they all definitely have some fighting training but back to jonas he kind of has this interesting dynamic as he's closeted gay in the show in a field you know being mma that shuns the idea and it's a very honest look and how hard that must be to be in that industry and you know not being able to be yourself so the show shows real attention to real life problems like prejudice addiction and domestic violence so props to them for doing that because they didn't need to do it. This show is just, you know, trashy for the most part. They didn't have to go deep on really important issues, but they do. And I think that's what makes it a better show than most. And it also does a great job of making all its characters charming and fun to watch, all while being garbage human beings. I mean, there's so many double crosses. There's so many broken promises, endless family drama, endless uh, fighting inside the gym, not just in the ring. And this feels like the actual world of low level MMA professional fighting because they go into deep training details that I just love too. So they show you how bland their diets are. They just have to have these like blueberry amino acid shakes or they're eating oatmeal all day, every day and plain chicken and, you know, lettuce and how they cut weight is crazy too. I mean, there's at least four or five episodes based solely on cutting weight because it seems like, I guess they fight, 20 pounds underneath what their general weight is. Like if you weigh 200 pounds, the weigh in comes in 180 and then you just bulk back up because you want to get the strength and intensity of being the bigger guy. So you just kind of sweat the weight out and they do it by, I never knew this before. They put like these trash bag sweatsuits on that uh, then they duct tape the sides. You know, they duct tape your wrists, they duct tape your ankles and they shadow box in the sauna and do like workouts and they, they're so intensely sweating off water weight that they like shave the sweat off their heads with their driver's licenses and like flick it off to their fingers and 
you know, it means like every little bit counts. And like when they finally take the suits off, it's just pools. I mean, literally, you know, pounds of water are just pouring off them. And sometimes they pass out, they're delirious, they want to quit fighting. And it's just really, it's really, I love details. And this seems like accurate details towards what it is to be an MMA fighter. And they also show how intense the training is, like the strategy and science of striking versus the ground game, what to do when someone like gets you in a hold and how do you move out, what do you do with like your left foot in this situation and how they strategize a fight is just, it's fascinating to watch and they just, they get their butts kicked into oblivion for these fights. Like it's no wonder they're all crazy because the amount of time, dedication, sweat and blood they pour into these five to 20 minute fights are actually, I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's like they're spending three to six months, you know, getting involved for this short period of time. And I wonder, I, I mean, in this show, I wonder if in MMA, if they eased up a little bit, that these people wouldn't have these personal issues that end up derailing their lives because they're just wound so tightly with the fight and the pressure. But it seems like in most things like boxing, MMA, it seems the tried and true method of training is just this overkill kind of vibe. So I guess, I mean, I guess it works because they curate these killers. I mean, you, you're getting in a ring and beating someone else senseless. So I guess it leaks out into your personal lives. And you know, that's the, that's the consequences of you know, training and being this way. It makes sense because you can't turn off all that rage and intensity after you, you get out of the gym. This is you know, what you're, you're trained to be just this monster. So it makes you understand why they numb themselves with alcohol, pills, chemicals, you know, all that stuff. I mean, my God, the amount of different pills or chemicals they mentioned in the show, like, you know, the HGH, the steroids, Xanax, Klonopins, all that stuff. It's crazy. I mean, they're just literally popping stuff like they're Skittles. And it's like, is this okay? It's like, no, it's not okay. But I mean, they seem to be functioning, but I mean, you understand why they get into so many situations because, you know, they're just not in their right mental state like all the time. And plus they're being bashed in the head. I mean, that leads to Parkinson and ALS, you know, later in life. It's like, these dudes are messed up, but they, they love what they're doing, I guess. <laughs> and it's this, the show shows the constant struggle they have with their inner demons. And it's understandable because they have this warfare-like job description. I mean, you look at Ryan Wheeler, who's Alvy's, you know, prized fighter, who spent five years in jail because he was messed up on some stuff and he paralyzed his dad because he was just in a fit of rage. And they do a really good job of describing kind of the pain Ryan has with not being able to turn off that switch. I mean, if someone breaks into his house, he chases the guy down and beats him, you know, within an inch of his life. It's like, he can't turn it off. And it just shows that if you want to be great in this sport, at least in the TV show, that you got to sacrifice your personal life and that the monstrousness is going to rear its ugly, ugly head at some point. And also let's get to the fights. The fights seem really realistic too. They are sometimes kind of boring, grapple, boring grappling bouts on the ground and you know people are just struggling to get their right hand free two men circling each other looking for angles and advantages there aren't like the haymakers in the rocky movies where it's like oh, that one punch would knock that dude out but then they go for like another eight rounds this seems realistic it seems like they they hired a lot of people on the show that were in mma and are real like fight training trainer coordinators it feels real so and and also they feel earned you know all the all the fights when you see a knockout you're like oh finally you know good and over 40 episodes, you only see maybe nine to 10 fights. So each one resonates as you've seen the buildup, the training, the heartache that happens before this event occurred. And props to the showrunners for equally displaying uh, strong, dynamic women as well. 
there's an entire season two storyline involving a female MMA fighter, Alicia Mendez, who is uh, just as intense and important in her training as the men. And they don't treat her like a side plot at all. I mean, she's messed up. She has a kid she abandoned back in Florida. She's living in her car and almost gets, uh, almost gets like raped in, the, in her car and has to fight someone off with a knife. I mean, she has just as many issues and craziness as all the men. She's hard drinking too. And, you know, and it's, I mean, it just, I like that they, they didn't have to do that. And they took, they, they made, you know, real fully formed female characters. And also Lisa, who runs Albie's gym, is a big time business negotiator and keeps her fighters in line with big showings of inner strength and bravado. And when she dates Albie or, you know, when she deals with Ryan, her ex, it's like, she's, she's an equal. She's not being steamrolled by anybody. And, you know, when her fighters mess up, she takes it to them. And she can drink and mess up her life with poor decisions just as much as any of her male counterparts. I mean, she can throw down when it comes to drinking and she makes lots and lots of bad decisions as well. I won't get into them because I don't want to spoil this for you. I'm more kind of teasing how good the show is. I don't think I've ruined anything. So props to me. Usually, I mean, there's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of, you know, shocking gas moments. So I'm glad I haven't mentioned it yet. So maybe I'll ruin it by the end. I'm, I'm talking about like, a perfect game in the seventh inning. So let's let's make sure if by the end of it I, I ruined something for you, I apologize. But it was also fun to see how diva-like the MMA profession is, which makes sense because they have to be these cocky, brash, you know, important guys who need all the confidence in the world to get in a cage and think that they're a better fighter than another professionally trained fighter. So of course any chink in the armor is gonna be a justified reason for them to freak out because they have to feel impervious. So the fighters throw temper tantrums about gym time, attention from coaches, dieting, uh, what drugs they can or cannot, can't be on, who headlines a fight, cutting weight, uh, questioning training methods. There's just endless verbal altercations too, because everyone's just on edge. They quickly end up in physical scraps because you know it's implanted in their DNA at this point that, uh, oh, words don't work, me hit you now. <laughs> and the show is oddly funny too, just really amusing. Because these are well-spoken, intelligent, muscle-bound men who are kind of like soldiers in war. You know, they constantly are just, they're in, their, they're in the foxhole together. You know, they understand that this is a unique, hard way to live and they respect anyone who's in it. And they're constantly ripping on each other as only like your best friends uh, often do. So if you're looking for a weirdly poignant show that looks into a wildly violent world, I would say throw yourself in the kingdom because it's got something for everybody. And it's just, it was a bizarre, it was a bizarre 40 episodes that I truly enjoyed and just ripped through. And I normally don't rip through shows like that. So watch Kingdom and we'll talk about it later.